0: And welcome in! thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Bowl season in the Sunbelt got underway this past weekend and it will continue with two more midweek games this week before Saturday's full course of Sunbelt football action. Troy will play on Saturday and we're excited to talk about their matchup with Duke in a moment. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Friday's episode. Caden and I dove headfirst into Saturday's Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Plus, James Madison defensive end Jamry Croma joined us to discuss his team's banner season and their bowl preparations. If you missed it, you're going to want to go back and give it a quick listen. Today on episode 163 of the show, we're excited to continue our bowl season preview series. We're breaking down the Birmingham Bowl, the first ever Power 5 matchup for a Sunbelt school during bowl season on today's show. We'll discuss the matchup and review the top storylines Ahead of the game with the help of our friends from the Gramlik and McLean podcast, plus Troy running back Kamani Vidal will join us shortly to talk about the Trojans' showdown with Duke. Kaden, with that said, this bowl game is a huge opportunity, not only for Troy, but for the Sun Belt. The first bowl matchup against a Power 5 program, and let's be honest, it's a winnable one. What has you most excited about this matchup for Troy?
1: Yeah, no, just the stakes alone are huge. I think back to all the past conference champions we had, and it'd be awesome to have all of the Sunbelt champions get a matchup in a bowl game against a Power 5 school just to show how they stack up. And I think when you look at historically in just this tr- year's choice team, they they stack up huge and they stack up great, I think, against a squad. You talk about the defense we've talked about all, in, all entire season, just their, their physicality and what they're able to bring to the table. That's a Power 5-looking group, and they've had Power 5 production and the offense has evolved as well and is clearly built for it from what they've shown in the conference championship or throughout the season. So I just couldn't think of a better team to match up with a power five opponent. and really excited to watch the Sun Belt hopefully add kind of another notch on their belt to what's been a storied season. If Troy's able to pull this off and maybe get some more national recognition as far as what they're capable of and showing it on a national stage against a power five opponent.
0: Yeah, Caden, to your point, I think this would be a massive leap forward for the Sun Belt and thinking ahead a couple years when bowl tie-ins are rediscussed, Playing well in these games it helps you out down the line. Kamani Vidal will be a big part of the game plan for Troy. He's here. We're not going to waste any more time. It's time to hear from the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year. Well, we are excited to be joined by Sunbelt Conference Offensive Player of the Year Championship Game MVP, Kimani Vidal, on the Fray and Smith Podcast. Kimani, thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's jump right in, and Kimani, I don't even know where to start. Uh, you've broken all kinds of records this year. You, you took home All-American and Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year honors. You've helped this team, this Troy team, win another conference title. How would you best describe this season you've had, and what have been some of your favorite moments?
2: Uh, I would probably say just special. Um, and uh, there's no other way of really saying it. Um, I still can't believe half of the stuff that's happened so far. Um, I feel like the conference championship has really kind of set in a little bit more now. Um, I'll probably say the best the best thing that's happened this year so far is just um being able to go back to back. You know, I I I kind of like to jail both last year and this year just because. Uh, it's just been so special. It's been a, a very good time here, um, and it's just it's just been a great time.
1: Yeah, Kamani, I'm sure some of the success you've had this year has felt a little surreal at moments, but this is your second season rushing for over 1,000 yards now, but we know you're not the only 1,000-yard rusher in the family. We know your father was a 1,000-yard rusher at Florida A&M as well. Could you maybe talk about what kind of impact he's had on your football career and what his reaction has been to just this amazing, historic season you've been having?
2: Uh, you know, at times it's it's uh it's a great thing at times it's it feels bad but uh i know i need the uh the the tough love um i you know i love my father uh i will, probably would not be in the position i am now because of him without him i mean um you know and i i, I gotta give some some of the credit to him uh fun- fun fun story here i actually um i actually i used to not like running track and he would force me to run track, and he would always be like, "Oh, uh, you'll thank me in the long run." Which I have like just recently, I I, I actually said it to him, like, uh, "You know, I'm gonna give you flowers on that one. Only one time, but that's it. You're only gonna hear it one time."
0: I love that. I know uh, one of Caden's best friends, Jalen Virgil, who who now plays in the NFL. He was a track star, and then obviously a standout at career at App State. And he's talked about on this podcast how much that track career uh, helped him in now his pro career, but. Come on, let's talk Gunnar Watson. Uh, we heard in the offseason about the strides he made. He he definitely put that on display this season. You've been one or he's been one of the most improved players in the Sun Belt and amongst the league's best passers. You've had a front row seat to a lot of his journey. What was it like watching it all come together for Gunnar Watson this year?
2: I I really think um, you know, just him I think it was more of him realizing like it was his last year no matter what. It's just like that he had to feel like he was all in. And also the fact that he's a graduate. Uh, I think that, you know, he he's realized that um, that there's stuff off the field for him. And, like, you know, it's either commit fully or, you know, don't commit at all. And then also um, the fact that it it is his last year, I think that you wouldn't want
1: any other way than to go out on top. Yeah, there's no question that you both in the backfield were just an amazing duo, along with the weapons y'all had out wide and the offensive line play. The offense was much improved this year, but the defense has just maintained its level of dominance, if not gotten better since the last championship y'all won. You have to face one of the best defenses in country in the country day in and day out now for two straight years. What has that been like, and what makes that unit so special? Uh, I
2: think I'll probably say just their, um, just how they gel together. You know, they're they're it, they're very gritty. Uh, they're tough. Um, you know, going against them every day is kind of, uh, it gets old kind of pretty quickly, especially since going against them for, uh, I mean, heck, for me, uh, four years now. I mean, it's just, they're just very tough and they know how to win.
0: Come on, are they able to tackle you the first time around because no one else has been able to do it this year?
2: Sometimes, sometimes. I, I think that, uh, I think it depends on who's tackling me.
0: <laughs> who's the guy on that defense you you least like being tackled by javon javon that that's that's javon. a fair, uh, that's a fair one or
2: or blocking him it's it's i mean it takes it out of you you know it, t- it takes all, out all your energy and you might not even get be able to do your job you know
0: yeah definitely a special player big reason why he just accepted an invite uh to play in the senior bowl but Let's talk about that championship game, Kimani. Uh, you ran wild, 233 yards—a championship game record. Five rushing touchdowns—the only running back in college football history to ever have five touchdowns in a conference title game. That one was special to witness. What was working for you in that game? And, and dating back to your high school youth football days, have you ever had a performance quite like that?
2: I—I I think I've only the, that was by far the most touchdowns I've had um, in a game. I think I had four touchdowns. Um, in high school and I had four touchdowns last year too. Um but it it still doesn't compare because none of that happened in a championship game. Um I don't know. I got I, I think I was just in the zone really. I was just seeing seeing the field well. Uh you know, it was just I, I just saw saw the open holes and I I I ran as hard as I could.
1: Well, they say the big time players make big time plays in, in the big time games. And you definitely did that. But with that performance, you were able to take home the Sun Belt Championship MVP belt, which is a pretty sick trophy. It's one of our favorites on this podcast for sure. Have you worn the belt after that day and, and where are you keeping that thing? I know I would keep it on all the time if I won it. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, right now, it's just on top of my dresser. Um,
2: I, I kind of, I might have to move soon. So I, I kind of, I don't know really to, where to put it right now uh it's it's a sick trophy though definitely it's the i'll probably say it's my best trophy right now um you know now now i i'll have a uh, high school ring and two college rings so that along with the belt it's a lot of uh a lot of um blingage i guess
0: well, and Kamani, I've got to ask, I believe it was the fourth or the fifth touchdown. You scored and you, and you ran to the camera and, and you did the, you know, the discount double check that Aaron Rodgers made famous. It was that you at that point, knowing that you were taking home that championship belt when you got on the stage in a few minutes?
2: <laughs> uh, I, kind of. Um, Gunnar really told me to do it. He was like, he was like, if you score again, you got to do it. And then at first I was just doing, you know, the ring. And then um, he was like, do it, do it. You got to do it. So you know, I just I just busted it out real quick, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, that was great.
0: Yeah, it was definitely one of the more iconic moments of that game. Let's talk about this bowl game, Kimani. Uh, it's the first time a Sun Belt team is going to get to face a Power Five opponent in a bowl game. It's an opportunity not just for Troy, but ultimately for the Sun Belt Conference. What have you seen from this Duke team on film, and and what can we expect from you and the boys in this matchup on uh, on Saturday?
2: I'll probably say um, we'll definitely just we'll show up. Um, I know that, especially you know, having this time off, I think is really getting some of our um, some of our bumps and bruises out of the way. I think that uh, we still have to practice hard and and hard and fast these next couple of days just to you know kind of get back into the flow of of football. But um, but yeah, we we'll, we're gonna be excited to uh, for that matchup.
1: Kamani, after this bowl matchup, you're going to have a decision to make. You have multiple options, including entering your name in the NFL draft. If you do take that route, what would you tell, or what would an NFL team be getting when they select Kamani Vidal?
2: A uh, a hardworking uh, player that'll do anything to uh, to win and to to win that 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 franchise that believes in me to uh, to win a Super Bowl.
0: Well, you definitely have proven uh, your ability to win football games over the last couple of years throughout your career. Kamani, we're going to end with this. Uh, you're going to go down in the history books as the school's single game, single season, career rushing leader. You're a two-time champion and so much more. You honestly have a legit case to be crowned the program's best running back of all time. When your Trojans career ultimately comes to an end, how do you want this fan base to remember you?
2: Uh, I want them to remember me more as a as the – Great person rather than a great player um you know I think that uh people remember your personal interactions with them more than what happens on the field, and to be honest, you know good players come through Troy all the time, so um records are meant to be broken uh just like you know I broke records, you know someone might come along and break my own records, so I think that um I would say just the type of person I am rather than the player.
0: Oh, I love that answer. Kamani, from us, it's been a privilege watching you play this year and ball out. Uh, I know Caden and I have really enjoyed uh, watching some of your games in person this year. We certainly wish you and your teammates best of luck as you guys play in this Birmingham Bowl and wish you best of luck on your future.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Okay, and that was a lot of fun talking with Kimani Vidal in this interview. I think my biggest takeaway was just the humbleness that we saw out of him and how he approaches the game and, and how his personality kind of plays into that. He's a type of a player that I think you would want your kids growing up to be.
1: Yeah, and he's the kind of teammate you want. You can just tell from how he carries himself. This is a guy who has every reason to be patting himself on the back and 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 kind of boasting and bragging about how fantastic of a season he's had. I think this is a guy that has established himself as one of the best players in his program's history. He kind of told us it was a little bit surreal just looking back at the year he's had. So the fact that he can appreciate that in the moment and continue to build on that in this bowl game is huge. And I just think him being a complete player and a complete person just epitomizes what this Troy program is about. And, and he's just put a great example on, I think, for everyone watching the game and everyone in that community going forward.
0: Caden, I love just hearing uh, about his approach to the game of football. I, I mean, when you look at the stats on the field, this has been one of the best football players in not only the Sun Belt but in the nation this year.
1: Yeah, it's clear he got some of those influences from his dad. I know that he's a a guy who wasn't trying to give him too many props, but the speed was definitely put on display this year. You can see it from his track days, but just the completeness of his game from a power standpoint, a guy who's not afraid to get his nose dirty and some pass protection as well. And we saw in the conference championship, just the, the peak performance of his and just what he's truly capable of as a back. And I just think going forward, the standard of this position is going to be very hard to top from what. He's been able to do the last two seasons. We don't know if he's going to come back or not, go to the next level. You know, the transfer portal is obviously an appealing thing for people that put up the production that he was able to put up, but regardless of what he does going forward, we just got to wish that guy the best of luck for the season he's had and what he's going to do going forward.
0: Kaden, I'll just say it. I want to see Kimani Vidal playing on Sundays next year. I think that could be the best route for him. Given the season, the shelf life of running backs at the next level, I'd love to see him declare and have an opportunity to be drafted in 2024. Well, It's time to continue previewing the 76 Birmingham Bowl that will take place on Saturday. Today, we've got a special treat for you. We invited our friends, Kelly Gramlich and Eric McLean, who are the hosts of the Gramlich and McLean podcast, which is an ACC football-focused podcast to help us break down Troy's matchup with Duke. And Kane. before we get to that, I did want to say a quick thank you to Kelly and Eric. They have been great to both of us as we have gone on this podcast journey. I know Eric was particularly great uh, for you in right after college, but Caden, uh, they helped us get connected with our team, Richmond and Brett. Uh, they've been a great sounding board, and, and I know that you and I have both enjoyed this relationship. And I'm glad it all came full circle in this episode.
1: Yeah, most definitely a cool collab and a cool mashup we were able to do with two people in this industry that we have a lot of respect for and admiration for. And I think hopefully in the future we can get more bowl matchups like this. We know the ACC and the Sun Belt play each other quite a lot in the season, so maybe we can get some more collabs because it was definitely fun to to talk and chop it up with some people that have as just as much love for the ACC as we do for the Sun Belt, and seeing these two teams now collide and these worlds collide in the podcast world was something special for sure.
0: Well, it's a one-of-a-kind conversation. Let's get right to it.
1: What's up, guys? You're seeing
0: a four box
3: here. It's a little bit different. We kind of alluded to it in the introduction here, but I'm jacked up today to, to have some friends uh, join us here from the Fun Belt because we're talking about guess who? Uh, the Duke Blue Devils as they play the Troy Trojans. So, guys, what's up? Say hello to YouTube. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here with us.
1: Happy to be here, YouTube. Happy to be here on this podcast to talk about the fun belt and this great matchup we've got.
0: Yeah, guys, excited to be here and uh, look forward to talking some uh, Troy versus Duke uh, ACC Sunbelt crossover, guys. <laughs>
4: That's right. Okay, well, okay. People, let's just do some intros here, Mac. We talked about doing this. For people who are listening to the Frarian Smith podcast and are confused, who the heck are we? Who's this girl, uh, first of all? <laughs> so <laughs> my name is Kelly Gramlich. I work for ACC Network, but also do this podcast with Eric McLean called Gramlich and McLean. Basically, you just go by the last names and you'll figure out who's who. And we cover uh, ACC football. And of course, we've got our friends over here that cover the Sun Belt. So why don't here, I'm just going to pick the next person, intros themselves. Let's go with.
1: Caden. Caden Smith here used to play App State football. Eric McLean, thankfully, commentated one of my games, gave me some glowing praise about my journalism career that I was trying to pursue. He's a reason why I'm here. He's a reason why this has all come full circle for me. So can't thank him enough for this. And trying to follow his footsteps, be another player, acting like they know more from a former player perspective (laughs) and and given their knowledge about the game now. So happy to be here, of course.
3: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, big salute to you, brother. That, That was something when I was doing that research, uh, for that game I was like man we got to give some love here this is awesome uh, a guy that's taking steps to empower players and see it from a different lens so it was an honor brother uh, to, to spread that and I'm Eric McLean uh, played at Clemson offensive lineman and have been on the ACC network since it launched and with my good friend here I feel like this is the Brady Bunch I'm like looking down I'm looking every way
0: of where everybody <laughs> is uh,
3: but but appreciate you guys and, and Noah thanks for for coming up with this idea.
0: Yeah, uh, Noah Freire, I am a play-by-play broadcaster for the Sunbelt. Uh, we started this Freire and Smith podcast about a year and a half ago. And actually, for viewers who might not know, a lot of the ideas behind our podcast came from, from Kelly and Eric. So certainly uh, very much appreciate kind of your guys' partnership. We actually work with the same producer, the same graphic designer. Shout out Brett. Shout out Richmond. So wish they could be here, but uh, it, it's been a fun journey, guys. And I'm excited to you know, do this combo episode together.
3: That's right. It would be too many boxes. I couldn't handle it if I saw <laughs> six boxes on this thing. I'm sure they can do it. But uh, we've got a fun matchup, and we're going to look at this from a couple of different perspectives. Um, obviously, ours having covered the ACC and, and y'all's having covered the Sun Belt. And, and I think the interesting thing, KG, we were all going back and forth about this, is you can't mention names too much because you don't know if they're going to be there by the time we kick this thing off.
4: It's so true. Now, we are talking about the 76 Birmingham Bowl, Saturday, December 23rd, right before Christmas, noon on ABC. Whoa. Guys, I thought that was a typo for a second, that the Birmingham Bowl was on ABC, uh, but big slot for them. Duke at 7-5 and five versus Troy, 11-2. Troy's a 7.5-point favorite, and when you really dive into this matchup and dive into Troy, and you look at who's opting out for Duke, you're not going to be super shocked why Troy is favored. Just to keep people up to speed, Mac, at least the opt-outs I've seen so far for Duke, of course, Riley Leonard, who apparently is going to continue this uh, ACC to Notre Dame situation, yeah. perhaps. Jordan Waters, which is a huge loss for them. And then a bunch of defensive guys as well. And then, you know, Mike Elko decided to opt out. So we'll get to the Duke side a little more in a second. But Noah, I want to ask just about Troy as a program. I know it's definitely one of the flagship programs for the Sun Belt. They won the league. Um, they've won 10 in a row. They're back-to-back Sunbelt champs. They're a great program overall. So just give us like a quick primer on Troy, if
0: you will. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is a historic Troy program that has won national championships back in their D2 days. They've transitioned into the Sun Belt in the early 2000s, and they went through some, you know, some downtimes in in recent years. But then you make the decision two years ago to bring in John Summerall, who was a former uh, assistant coach at Kentucky, and, and things changed immediately. This is a program that's now gone 23-4 23 and 4 over the last two years. They won the Sunbelt last year in the first year under Summerall. They win the Cure Bowl. Uh, and then this year you get off to a one and two start, and then you 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 rattle off 10 straight to end the year. So this is one of the scariest teams in the conference. John Summerall did a, you know a tremendous uh you know job with this program. He has since taken uh, the job at Tulane. Uh, so certainly wish him well there. But he has returned this Troy program that was a proud program back to to prominence in the Sunbelt.
3: Caden, when you look at these opt-outs, man, and, and you see what these guys are are, are doing, just from a, a collegiate standpoint, you know, I, I kind of want your overall big picture here because I, I have my viewpoint, uh, you know, as an offensive lineman and as a former player at Clemson. But I want to hear it from you: are, are you with it? Do you understand it? Because you were kind of playing as all of this was really happening to, to get started.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think when you look back at just when this all started with the guys like Christian McCaffrey in that early class back in the day that were the first players that were really deciding to opt out to go to the next level, I think that's when you started saw it, seeing the ball get rolling and some of these players that were high-level draft picks maybe considering not playing in the bowl game. And I think it's interesting looking at the ACC versus the Sun Belt perspective of this because this is obviously something that's a lot less talked about at the group of five level just because there's a lot less players that kind of have money on the line and that are going to the next level. So for me and my App State teammates, historically – even just looking across the Sun Belt in the group of five, I feel like you see it a lot less versus a place like Clemson that has a little bit more cachet and has some players that have that first round, second round grade on them. But I also see the risk of it too, being that kind of player. You're talking to a guy who broke his thumb in his bowl game in his very last game so there is a risk obviously especially depending Mm -hmm. on what position you play if you're a running back especially just looking at the way the running back market is in the nfl as well i wouldn't really be encouraging running backs to play in these bowl games if they have money on the line as well so i think it's definitely a situational to school different thing as a Mm -hmm. football guy i'd love to see people just suited up and play one last game with their college teammates in a bowl environment the bowl week is such a fun time it's definitely something I couldn't see myself opting out of, but I also haven't seen myself get calls from agents and have meetings with other teams talking about my draft stock and how that's going to be. So I definitely think it's player to player program to program league to league. But ultimately I think you and me, the football guys, we all just want to see everyone suited up one more time and play in their last collegiate game in a bowl game.
4: That sounds almost identical to what Max said. I mean, that <laughs> that's almost the same answer right there from you, Caden. And I really appreciate that. I think also with Duke, you're seeing opt-outs, but almost more opt-outs of guys that are perhaps transferring. Riley Letter, right. for example. Right. Uh, Jordan Waters not playing was a little, was a little interesting. I was mm-hmm. surprised by that. And, and that's going to be a big part of this Duke offense versus this Troy defense, right? So this is a great Troy defense. This is one of the better defenses in the country and number one passing defense in the Sun Belt. So you've got Grayson Loftus, a really young quarterback for Duke. You have no Jordan Waters. Mac, I think Jordan Moore's playing, at least from what I've seen. Again, as of the now. But this change right. <laughs> by next week. But, yeah. you know, what do you – and you, both of you all get in on this. Noah, if you want to start. I mean, what makes this Troy defense so good, and, and why are they going to present a big challenge for Duke?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for this Troy defense, it's going to start up front. I mean, when you, you look at this team, they have 45 sacks this year. They're averaging three and a half per game. Ooh. And when you look at them nationally, they're actually tied with an ACC program, FSU, at number four. Uh, And that's why I think this matchup and and he's going to love this is it's going to be determined in the trenches because this is a Duke team that they've given up 15 sacks all year. They're a top 20 program in that you're going up against a a really good front line that has NFL talent. I mean, you look at a guy like Richard Juvenor in this matchup, You, you look at a guy like TJ Jackson in the middle, Javon Solomon, who has a draft grade currently. There are some legit dudes here at the front that I think can can cause some problems for this, uh, this Duke front. So I think it starts up there. A little young in the linebacker core, and the back end has been excellent. They've got a corner, Ready Stewart, uh, who's excellent, and, and I really think is that true lockdown quarter against your number one wide receiver.
1: Yeah, piggybacking off what Noah said, I think this this team's at holding all offenses to 17 points per game this season. That's like 10th in the nation right now. So they're, they're a bend-don't-break defense. You might get some yardage on them. You might have your way a little bit from a series to series, but they're keeping you out of the end zone. And this was a team that last year had an offense that was playing terrible, and they were really dragging this team to the conference championship and the success they had this year. But now that they know they have kind of an offense to complement them, you can see them playing a little bit more freely. And it all starts up front for sure. But I think this is a three-level defense. When we were watching the Sunbelt Championship up in the press box, just given every play after play, there's not many places to go if you're a quarterback in the passing game and things are going to be plugged up. In the in the run game as well, when you look up front, so it definitely all starts up front. But they have some sideline to sideline linebackers, and they have some defensive backs as well that play tight coverage and make those windows small for quarterbacks. So it's a three level defense. There's there's not really many weaknesses on this Troy defense, and that's kind of why they are where they are right now, as far as their national rating and just them being able to rattle off ten wins in a row, really. And that's what's going to be so fascinating because number one, when you look at Duke,
3: obviously they've been a, a heavy run team, right? It's just when they had their quarterback Riley Leonard before he went down with injury. He ran the ball very effectively, but also that that stable of backs that they have, uh, with a couple of NFL offensive linemen up front. The question, as we've all alluded to, is who plays? Does Graham Barton play? Does Jacob Monk play? Uh, we saw Jordan Waters is not Riley. We know is injured and, and not available, in, and in the transfer portal. Uh, More the running back said he was leaving. Now I've heard he's back and he's going to play. Uh, so it, it is just going to be interesting. But kind of at Duke's core, you know, they're built like a, a team that wants to run the football. So. Obviously, that that plays favor KG when you when you have such a great passing defense, you can try to avoid that at all costs. Uh, but then when it's third down, everybody knows you have to throw it. You know those guys can pin their ears back for Troy, and obviously the, the coverage is, has been very sound.
0: What is y'all's read right now on, on Grayson Loftus? I, I mean, he's obviously taken over for for Riley Leonard after the injury. Yeah. We've seen him start to throw it a little bit more. Like, how do you guys feel about him as a quarterback for this Duke team?
3: Yeah, well, honestly, it, it'll be interesting, KG too, and and Noah is does does Henry Beelan get the job back? Is he healthy? Yeah. And is is it going to be him that's running the show? But I, when I watched Grayson, you know, in the things he was able to do, especially in that North Carolina game, uh, you know, they they had to throw it; they they were forced to, and he was really able to come up big with Jalen Calhoun. Jordan Moore went berserk, getting the tight ends involved. I, so I, I think there's there's a bit of a future there if Duke wants it um you know he, he showed some moxie in the run game I wouldn't call him dual threat at all um but he can he can go get it he can go find those yards uh so so it is fascinating from that aspect but at the end of the day he's a freshman he's a true freshman <laughs> he's going to go in this environment in a bowl game if he's the starter against this very good defense and I'm sure Troy's going to show him some things that maybe he hadn't seen you know in his limited time uh but no question I I, I think there's there's something there if Duke wants to explore it or if they go to the transfer portal,
4: KG. I think the biggest advantage in this game is the Troy defense versus the Duke offense, personally. Yeah. When you look at the opt-outs and then you look at how good Troy's defense is. And I I don't know. Graham Barton, he's a guy who's already accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Same with Dwayne Carter on the other side. Yeah. So do you play in the Senior Bowl but not play in this game? That's always the big question. But I think Duke defensively is still going to be able to hold their own in this game. Uh guys. I mean, I, I to me that's not really a, a big advantage either way. I know Troy's been pretty good offensively, but to me, this is a, a kind of a defense first team. Right. Um correct me if I'm wrong here, but I know they have a very good running back, Troy does, and that's something that Duke's gonna have to lock in on. But I would feel better about Duke if Dwayne Carter is playing. Right. And <laughs> we interviewed him this this year. He's he's an exceptional student athlete. I, I could see him playing. I could see him leaning that way, mm-hmm. but Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this Troy offense and specifically what is it, Vidal? I want. I hope I'm saying that right, the running back, because dude is a monster.
1: Kamani Vidal.
4: Vidal, there we go.
1: Yeah, Kamani Vidal is a monster. Um, going going into the, the the conference championship game, when you have both coaches, head coaches, talking about how this guy breaks the first tackle almost every time, like that's <laughs> always a great sign, and he did that in the championship game. He ran absolutely crazy in that game over 200 yards, was yeah. in the end zone the entire day. He's definitely where the engine of this offense is. It's he, whatever the App State linebackers in this championship game, they were in position to make plays and they were still not making them because of his physical strength, his size, athleticism. But the improvement of the quarterback, Gunnar Watson, has also been a huge thing to watch for this team. This is a guy last year who was getting pulled out of the lineup every now and then if he wasn't playing too well, but came into the offseason, was a complete mature adult about the entire offseason work process. And you could see his growth throughout the year to the point where this offense kind of now, we, me, me and Noah have been calling it the chameleon offense. They really find out what their best strength is going to be against their defense, and they're going to use it accordingly. I think the most impressive two-week stretch they've had or any offense has had this year is they face Army and they outrush Army in a game over 200 yards wow. in that matchup. Then the next weekend, they play Texas State and throw for 400 yards <laughs> in that game with one of the most high-tempo offensive attacks in the Sun Belt. So whatever Duke's weaknesses are, whatever y'all think is going to be the Duke week next defensively mm-hmm. in this game, Troy's offense is probably going to try to try attack to that. It. So they've really grown yeah. from a team that ex- wasn't yeah. really strong offensively last year to one that can kind of pick their shots, just given the strength of their quarterback and especially the strength of Vidal yeah. in the backfield.
3: I-, I love that, man, Caden. That- that's brilliant, and I think it goes to show, you know, true balance. That, you know, so many times people think that, you know, balance is hey, we're going to run it thirty times, we're going to throw it thirty times. That- that's not the case. Balance is if a team can take something mm-hmm. away we can show this or if a team it, it has a weakness here we can alter what we do to exploit that and and that's great that's fun to hear you know about not fun for duke fun for us <laughs> yeah. to, to hear about you know teams that that are able to do it um no i i'm interested in in videl here because is he a guy that you think gets you know snatched up i mean i'm looking at these stats dude this is freaky he, you know 20 plus carries a game is is kind of his average And in a championship game against that app state team Two th- Caden Clogier, sorry. Uh 230 yards, nine yards per rush, and five tutties. I mean, that's crazy. I-, I have to think that there's power five teams all over the country saying, hey, we need that guy. Like we need him on our team.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's it could be likely. I-, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I'm hearing, and Caden alluded to it earlier. I think particularly the running back position, you have a decision the decision to make. Like Vidal is an older player, and at some point right. we all know the shelf life of a running back isn't extremely long and so I've heard that he's more than likely trying to pursue the NFL draft route this offseason that he's a guy that has a draft grade right now probably a a back end maybe sixth seventh rounder but I've talked to some NFL scouts and, and the biggest thing they will say about him is you can't fake these numbers. Like he's put up over sixteen hundred yards. He ran for five touchdowns in the Sun Belt Championship game, becoming the first running back in FBS history to ever do that in a championship game. So, this is a legit running back, and I think that there's a, a real chance that that he ends up just going to the league as opposed to to leaving Troy. So, I think that's a huge aspect of this matchup and. I mentioned it earlier, too. I think the other big thing here is the coaching change. You know, John Summerall's not mm-hmm. going to be there for Troy. Mm-hmm. We're going to see Greg Gasparato, who's the defensive coordinator, who will be coaching this game. Little know, in fact, he was actually Caden's safeties coach at App State back in the day, so hey, a fun connection there. But, um <laughs> yeah, I think this matchup's fascinating. It could go so many different ways. I, I do think we're going to see some ground-and-pound football, which we all love, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, there's no question about it. KG, let, let's finish this way. Let's go around the horn uh, ladies first, starting with you, Kelly. And just give me, give me your keys. Give me Kelly's keys to the game, everybody. I, I want to hear that, and uh, we, we we can do picks, even though that's going to be a sad ground.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys mentioned kind of a ground and pound ugly game, ugly if you if you love offense, but probably very pretty if you love defense. Forty three and a half is the total in this one, is what I've seen. So that's pretty low. I, I want to say this about Duke though, Mac. I think Grayson Loftus is a gamer and he obviously has grit, and this is going to be a big game for him when you have Manny Diaz coming in, the new head coach at Duke. What can you put on film here, right? Because Manny Diaz, I'm sure, is already scouring the portal. If Loftus plays, you were talking about Beelan as well, but he's probably already scouring the portal to see if you can get a veteran guy to come in. If Loftus does play, I really liked the connection between him and Jordan Moore in the pit game. Jordan Moore had eight catches for 106. Again, if Jordan Moore plays, you know how that goes. The key for me in this game, Mac, is this Duke defense, which honestly, even when Riley Leonard was healthy, when you think about the Duke game, think about Notre Dame, or the Clemson game, Notre Dame game, the Duke defense really carried them in a lot of ways. So is the Duke defense going to bow up and say, okay, we still need to have some pride in this game. Maybe we're not as motivated as Troy, which I think is definitely true. I bet Troy's more motivated because they can prove a lot here and they can get a 12th win, which how many teams in the country have 12 Mm. wins? But you've got to find a way to at least slow down Vidal, who you guys are talking about, the Sunbelt player of the yeah. year, who's just been incredible. So my key is this Duke defense has to has to show up and be ready to play. All that being said, I do think Troy wins the game. The seven and a half, I think I might take Duke plus seven and a half because I don't I don't oh. love that number. And I don't okay. love the hook. But yeah. I think Troy does win the game, so let's just—we
3: got her, boys. Yeah. we got her with the hook. We got they her. Got She's me. in. They got me. Go Blue Devils! All right, Caden, give me some keys. Give give me give me the keys to the dub, man.
1: I think the biggest key for this Troy team, just looking at them, is they've really taken the identity of their head coach, John Summerall Is a tough, gritty dude, and this mm. team, ever since he's been the head coach, has taken on that identity. And this is the first time now they haven't had him in a while, and they have a lot of senior leadership, obviously, and they have a ton of players who are deciding to not go in the transfer portal even flirt with leaving and not playing in this game. So curious to see if they can have that same consistent level of energy effort on both sides of the ball in the trenches that's gotten them this far without their head coach. And I think you mentioned Vidal is obviously going to be a big key. It's looking like this will probably be his last game. You'll love this, Emac. He's also great in pass protection, so he's just a complete back. I expect this to be Come on. His, I expect this to be his last game and I expect him to get a lot of touches similar to the championship game. So Dukes definitely going to have to key in on stopping him and try to make this offense one dimensional despite them trying to pick their shots. So I think if Troy can do their thing as far as not having their head coach around still being able to play with that same level of intensity it'll still be a close close matchup I don't think it's going to be a game where, where Troy covers. I think Troy still wins, but I still think Duke has those physical big ACC bodies that Troy oh, isn't necessarily okay. is accustomed to playing toe-to-toe to, toe to. I still think it's going to be a dogfight. I would yeah. hammer the under and the points. I think this is going to be a big game with field position. I know Duke wow. has a first-team all-conference punter, which is going to be a huge impact, I think, in this game. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Yeah. Lots of field position, lots of defense, and I still think Troy pulls it off at the end, but I don't necessarily see them covering. I think it's going to be a tight one.
3: Oh, Noah. Okay, we've got two blue Devils over here. What are we doing, man? What are we doing?
0: Well, I was clearly just impressed with the amount of research that, that Caden did for the this episode. The punter, and, baby. Uh, <laughs> an all-conference <Yeah. laughs> punter? Come on, Cato. But uh, First team. Yeah, you know, I think what's interesting is you guys <laughs> know as well as I do, obviously we've talked defense, we've talked the running backs. I think when you look at a game like this, it's going to come down to a handful of plays. And I think for me, it comes down to which team can control those handful of plays better. I, I think You know, we've talked about Vidal. We've talked about, you know, the quarterback for Duke and the stable of running backs. But does it come down to a guy like Gunnar Watson to maybe make a couple of big plays, a a big play wide receiver like Chris Lewis, uh, you know, who has an SEC body that has been one of the best wide receivers in the Sun Belt? So, guys, I have bet against this Troy team before. I'm not doing it here. I am taking Troy to to cover the spread here. This is the first ever Power Five matchup against a Sun Belt team in a bowl game. I think they want to come out. They want to make a statement in this game. So, so give me Troy uh, to cover in this one. I, I think maybe we're seeing an eight to ten point win here.
3: Ooh. Wow, I like that. Okay, I'm glad we can be alls first. Thank you for coming. We appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> and here we go. Here's here's my deal. I think it was very important. Uh, you bringing up those sacks, uh, the, you know that that Troy was able to conglomerate and really just pile up in in that championship game. For me, man, it, it comes down to can you protect your quarterback? And, and if they do that, if Duke can do that, you know, throwing the ball fifteen, maybe eighteen times this game, uh, and, and he gets sacked once or less, you, you're winning the football game. You know, you're you're going to be able to do that because that means other things have opened up. That means you've probably been able to establish the run and Troy can't just pin back their ears and, and come after you and really try to get pressure. With that being said, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know, again, who's playing on that offensive yeah. line. You might have some young cats. You might have some new guys uh, who are having to step up in really key positions. I think Troy is just hot. They're going to play inspired. They're going to come together. I think losing your coach will galvanize this team, uh, and, and you're going to see a, a really gutty performance. So I'm taking Troy as well. Oh. I think they cover um, – and at the end of the day, what I'm taking is this type of episode. This was fun. Come Guys, on. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us a little fun belt uh, intrigue right here.
4: Before we go, I, I have to get this stat in, okay? Uh-oh. And Kaden KG and I stats are taking – info. The Ks here are taking Duke to cover. <laughs> no one, Mac taking Troy to cover. This is from our guy Jake up at ACC Network who sent these out, and Mac, of course, sent them to me, and then I scour them because I'm a nerd. This stat blew my mind, y'all. And maybe you guys already Uh-oh. know this. Maybe Frary and Smith already know this, Mac. Troy is 18 and 1 outright, meaning they win the game, as a betting favorite over the last two seasons. So go. when Let's they go. are favored in Vegas, they are 18 and 1. And maybe, maybe they don't cover, kind of like what Caden and I are saying, but they do win when they are favored. That stat is wow. crazy.
3: So, money line. So, money line's the play. That's what you're telling us.
4: I guess so. <laughs> if, But, you know, of course, if you were to ever put money on football games, but who would be stupid? Yeah,
3: to who that? does that? Who, who does stays? that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, again, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.
1: And uh, we need to do this again. This, this was awesome. Most definitely. Appreciate y'all having us. Hey,
0: let's get some more uh, ACC Sunbelt Bowl tie ins. Uh, and we can make this a yearly tradition at this point. It's like uh, Christmas before Christmas, right? <laughs> Caden, that was a lot of fun talking with Kelly and Eric of the Gramlich and McLean podcast. They've been great to work with during our time as a podcast. And this one was fun, kind of chopping it up, talking about this matchup with Troy and Duke. Caden, our viewers just heard it. They are believers in the Troy Trojans. It was a clean sweep, but we all four of us think that Troy's coming out on top in this matchup on Saturday.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting looking at both of these teams and programs right now kind of trending in opposite directions. Obviously, both head coaches are departing, but it looks like from Troy's perspective, they have a lot more players that aren't hitting the transfer portal. The foundation and nucleus of their team is going to be here for this matchup. And you just can't say the same about Duke with your star quarterback, your star running back, other key pieces on the defensive line as well, entering the transfer portal. Not sure if they're going to play in this game or not, but just From their reactions from it, from our outside perceptions of it, I think it's clear that just looking at the momentum and the important pieces that are going to be playing in this game, it's hard not to like Troy's chances just given the circumstances and this winning streak they've been on as well.
0: And Caden, I'm fascinated. I said it when we talked with Kelly and Eric uh, about how Gunnar Watson performs in this game. Kimani Bidel is obviously going to be at the top of the scouting report, but I think there's an opportunity here for Gunnar Watson who we've seen play well in big games. You think back to last year's Sun Belt Championship to have a big-time performance and further cement his legacy as a Troy Trojans quarterback into the future.
1: Yeah, last game in these bowl games for a quarterback especially are just exciting and something that you look forward to. And I think in this matchup, Gunner is going to have a golden opportunity to really put a stamp on his career against a Power 5 opponent in a big spot. And it's going to be interesting to see who the highlight player is in this matchup. We've talked about all season how Troy likes to choose and pick their shots as far as how they attack defenses. And I think with this Duke defense being a little bit undermanned, it's going to be fascinating to see how this offensive call and how this attack is going to be. We could see anything from the MVP performance we saw from Kamani Vidal this year to the MVP performance we saw last year from Gunnar Watson in the championship game. So I think with Troy having all the weapons at their disposal out wide, having their offensive line there and their two guys in the backfield who are both now Sunbelt MVPs of their respective championship games, super excited to watch Gunnar Watson lead this unit one last time.
0: Kane, okay, before we roll out, too, I think we have not commented on John Summerall leaving to go to Tulane. And I think this is a great time to just say thank you for his time over the last two years. He was the most, uh, you know, guest in terms of guests coming on this show. He came on three times. I know you and I both appreciated every time we got to speak with him. He was very good to us uh, when we were in Troy over the last couple of years. Definitely wishing him and his family best of luck as they head down uh, to New Orleans to coach at Tulane.
1: Most definitely. Like you said, this is a guy who's a podcast veteran now for us, a guy who's always been great to us as far as being a guest and his hospitality with us at Troy, even when we were there last and the days before the championship game and you and me were kind of just wandering onto the field. This is a guy who came up to both of us and formally invited us and wanted us to be a part of their final walkthrough before they took the field for their bowl or for their conference championship game, rather. So huge shout out to him and his career. We all obviously wish him the best as a guy who's always welcome on this podcast. And of course, best of luck to Greg Gasparato, a guy who we also are friends with now on this podcast, someone who's coached me, someone who has now met from being at the championship game and wishing him the best of luck in this interim role and hoping the best for him going forward too.
0: Yeah. And maybe he'll be the next head coach of the Troy Trojans. We will certainly see. Well, that's going to do it for our 76 Birmingham bowl preview. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Troy's Kimani Vidal for joining us as well as to associate AD Adam Prendergast for helping make today's conversation possible. Plus again, a special shout out goes out to Kelly Gramlich and Eric McLean for stopping by before you go, here's a quick reminder. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We'll be previewing the upcoming Easy Post Hawaii and famous Idaho Potato Bowls. A couple of the best bowl names in bowl season. They will feature Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Plus, Coastal Carolina wide receiver Sam Pinckney will join us on the show. You're going to want to give it a listen. That'll do it for us here at the Fray and Smith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, do us a favor. Share this show with just one friend or two if you want. Help us continue to grow this into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frere. Thanks for spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.